This video is sponsored by Game Toppers. Turn your own kitchen or dining room table into a premium portable game solution at a fraction of the cost. Hey everybody, welcome to the fourth in the series of What Happened To. Today is What Happened To 2013. I'll have links to playlists and geek lists and stuff like that below. But to explain this series every week, I'm taking the most anticipated games starting in 2010 up to 2019 uh, as voted on by the members at Board Game Geek collated by Rick Vineyard over at Board Game Geek, and then kind of taking a look back and kind of seeing, you know, where these games are, did they hang around, you know, that kind of thing, and just kind of generally talk about them. So we're just going to jump right in here. I think there's some repeats on this list, which I've just been skipping because sometimes the game doesn't come out, you know, it gets delayed. Uh, so I, we're going to work through, I'm just going to number them as they're numbered on the list, but I might skip numbers. So number 20 is Hegemonic. Uh, this was designed by Oliver Kiley, came out from Minion Games. This was a real interesting game. I played it a couple of times, I really enjoyed it. It was like a really, really heavy, crunchy, very abstract Euro sort of Twilight Imperium Eclipse style game. It was kind of a Space 4X game. Very, very abstract. Really, really cool though. Uh, I believe the designer even told me he was kind of trying to marry Tigers and Euphrates with Eclipse, something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm probably completely misremembering what he said to me. But it's that kind of thing where you have that kind of spatial abstract element. You've got a, a lot of economy stuff going on. Uh, Minion Games I don't think is around anymore. Unfortunately, James Matthew, um, the owner, passed away a couple of years ago, um, and uh, which is terrible. He was, a, he was a really fun, great guy. And... Um, he really took a chance on this game, and it was, I don't know how well it did. I think it was like a little too much. Like, it's, it was a really heavy game, um, and for sure, that, I mean, that was the impression of everybody I played it with, and I really did like the game, and it would be interesting to kind of see maybe a kind of a revisit with this game, see if they could kind of streamline it a little bit, kind of pare it down. Um, but yeah, it was a cool game, but it definitely has kind of disappeared. Minion Games has, has gone away. Um, and I don't know if anybody would really pick this up. I don't think the world is really ripe for this kind of game right now because it's a big, it's a big heavy game and it's very hard to kind of wrap your head around. Uh, if you find a copy at like a bargain price, which you might be able to, if you like big, heavy, chunky euros, you might pick it up to give it a shot. Just know that you're in for a bear. But to me, I really enjoyed the game. I think it was on my top 10 list somewhere that year. Uh, that's number 20. Uh, let's see. Number 19 is Mansions of Madness Call of the Wild. So actually a little surprised that this is on the list. Now, I did comment originally, I think on the 2010 list, uh, Mansions of Madness was on there. That was like the number one game. Uh, but I felt like that one really fell flat. There was a lot of problems with that game. Uh, you know, some local folks in my group at the time really despised the game. A lot of folks I talked to personally just did not like the game. It wasn't well balanced to them. You know, it was very clunky, hard to parse rules and that kind of stuff. But some other folks had commented on my videos like, hey, no, actually, we really enjoyed that game and, and played it, you know, quite a few times and stuff. And I think that's indicative here. A couple of years later, there's an expansion for it showing up on the top 20 most anticipated games list. So there's people that at this point in time still had their original edition. I don't know which expansion this is in the list, but they were excited for this expansion. So, uh, you know, I think there's probably some you know, uh, equal sides to both sides of the argument because I think the game, you know, didn't do well. A lot of people didn't like it, and then they actually kind of scrapped it and came out with Mansions of Madness Second Edition, which I think is mostly universally loved. Obviously, not 100, percent but you know that game did really well for them, and I think continues to have expansions. They might have petered off by now, but it went several years with expansions. Um, 
And so I think that's kind of in, indic- indicative of the fact that the game did not do really well for them. But, you know, hey, they got expansions coming out for them, so it couldn't have done too poorly. So that's number 19, Mansions of Madness, Call of the Wild. Number 18 is Bora Bora. Uh, it's a Stefan Feld game. And this is the first Stefan Feld game on these lists. Now, Stefan Feld was, by this time, I think, kind of hitting his peak, right? Because he had had Castles of Burgundy came out, which is arguably his biggest game ever. And then uh, Trajan, which also came out, I believe, the year after that. And that was really well received. I really enjoyed Trajan myself. And he, you know, he had In the Year of the Dragon, which was, I think, his first game. And then Notre Dame, which was another game. And In the Year of Dragon, Notre Dame were not, I don't want to say huge hits, um, I think they were relatively huge hits for the time that they came out, and they're—I uh, think they're still beloved game. I do not like *In the Year of Dragon*. I don't really like *Notre Dame* either. *In the Year of Dragon* is like fine, but I just—I don't like it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to argue it's a bad game. I just don't want to play it. Get it away from me. <laughs> but uh, I really like a lot of his other games. I liked most Steffenfeld games I've played. I really liked *Bora Bora* back at this time too. Uh, it's a great game. I don't think this is necessarily in print. I'm sure it probably is. It's it's probably kind of sort of a soft evergreen, if you will. I don't think they really have sold through their, their print runs. Uh, I'd be curious to see if this one still hangs out. But interesting to me is it's the first Feld on the game. So he really hit his mark with Castles of Burgundy and then Trajan, and I think really became kind of a household name, like a Reiner Knizia, Martin Wallace, that kind of level. And there were people at the time starting to say, you know, Stefan Feld is my favorite designer. You know, you could hear that a lot uh, back then. And you can kind of argue the whole point salad thing. But to me, I mean, first of all, nobody does point salad like Stefan Feld. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, he gets guff for it. I don't give him any guff for it because he really has fine-tuned and cranked that design. I play Castles of Burgundy with the family, with the game group, you know, online on the apps and stuff like that now these days and all that stuff and i'm excited for the new edition of castles of burgundy um so whatever i mean that's a fun game to play in my opinion and so was bor bor so was trajan and they were sweet little puzzles to play and that's they didn't really try to have any pretense of being otherwise either so i think that's why i kind of liked them so anyway that's number 18 bor bor uh number 17 lost valley the yukon gold rush and this is a i believe a reprint this is a weird game. I played this, I think, one time. And it has those weird trapezoidal tile pieces where you kind of would build kind of a tile placement area control kind of style game. Um, my memory of it is not super hot because I probably played it right around then or a year or so after that. I remember kind of liking the game. It had kind of a good buzz because it was kind of coming back in print, sort of a lost gem in a lot of people's minds. I don't think this is around anymore. I mean, this is not really stuck around in the, in the consciousness of, of folks or anything. I have not thought of this game until I looked at this list. Um, but I remember it being a decent game. You know, um, you know, nothing really... I, was, I think I had overhyped it in my mind because it was like this weird game, you know, with the weird shapes. And, you know, you were hearing a lot of buzz about people saying it was just a really just amazing game and stuff. So I was like, eh, it's okay. So it, it hasn't lasted. So that was number 17. We're going to skip... A couple here because there's a couple of repeats up to number 14. This is the Battle of Five Armies. So this is kind of the follow-up to the War of the Ring. The War of the Ring was about the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy, big epic two-player or four-player board game. The Battle of Five Armies is the same kind of deal, card-driven on one end, uh, dice-driven. If you're kind of the evil player, you get some extra dice and stuff to activate stuff. I mean, both sides get dice, but you have a lot of a bigger dice pool and things like that. And it's kind of playing out the end of the, the Hobbit book. 
Um, and this this is still around. They've come out with like a, a collector's edition of it with you know pre-painted miniatures and all that kind of stuff. I believe there's been an expansion or two for it. Uh, it's still you know in print and all that stuff. It it plays a little quicker than War of the Ring. It's a, probably a little bit not as heavy. Um, it, it has a lot in common with the mechanics of War of the Ring, um, but you know it's got that Tolkien you know IP kind of attached to it. Uh, yeah, I would say. If you kind of wanted to play War of the Ring, and you didn't really want that big epic like three plus hour experience, uh, it's pretty rules dense. It's not too bad if you like heavy games, but if you're not into really big heavy games, but you really want to try War of the Ring because it intrigues you, Battle of the Five Mars might be the better bet because it's a little bit less going on, just a tiny bit. It's a little bit more battley too. I thought I felt. Because uh, you didn't really have the whole dual gameplay of the armies and recruiting the armies and trying to get them to come and fight and that whole kind of meta game and then you know also Frodo and, and the Fellowship you know trying to control them as well as everything else. So Battle of the Farmers is a little bit more pared down, a little bit easier to access, uh, but still just a lots of good meat and good stuff to chew on, and it's a really fun game. And I do recommend either game. But if you were sort of nervous about War of the Ring, Battle of the Five Armies would be a good sort of stepping stone into that. So that's number 14. Number 13 is Tammany Hall. This is a reprint of a game that came out, this would have been about eight years before this. Uh, this um, this is similar to that Lost Valley game in that it was kind of like a small print run originally. I think it only sold like less than a thousand copies. But it had really a lot of buzz. And Tammany Hall is kind of your very pure, traditional, like very strict area control game set in you know late 1800s new york city and you know you're kind of like manipulating the boroughs and trying to control the different things and then they have the the kind of the the hook with this one is there were different um sort of roles that you could get and so the winner kind of of the the current round would be get the mayor and then he would dole out the roles to the other players so the mayor didn't really have really any special abilities but then the other roles were all special abilities that would hurt the mayor. So the mayor had to kind of pass out these different roles that gave everybody a special ability. And then they would, of course, try to, you know, utilize them in an efficient way to win the next day. And it was kind of trying to time and kind of hide in the shadows a little bit until I think it was five rounds. The end of the fifth round, then you would have the most points and, and you know, be the mayor at the end of that. Really unique game. Very evil. Very mean. I did really enjoy it. Uh, I don't have this one anymore. I think it's probably just a little too mean um, for me, but not really. I mean, like, I'd play it. It just, you know, I only got so much spell, space on the shelf. Um, but it's a good game, and I think this one is still readily in print. I still see this one around. I don't remember who picked it up. It's kind of jumped publishers a little bit. But if you like it, I would recommend folks just try it because I think it's worth the experience of playing this a couple of times. Uh, you may not like it because, like I said, it's pretty cutthroat. But if you don't mind that kind of thing then it, it can be a lot of fun. And it's pretty thematic, actually, how everything kind of works as well. So that's Tammany Hall, number 13. Now, number 12 is interesting. I mentioned this one last week because it wasn't on the list. And this is the expansion to Android Netrunner, Cyber, Exodus, and Study and Static. Uh, so there's a couple expansions that kind of were grouped as one item in here. Now, the reason that Android Netrunner, which arguably, arguably was the biggest game of the year previously, was because it wasn't really announced until right before Gen Con. And then it hit, and it was 
basically the same as you know the original Netrunner with some different tweaks. And it was a living card game, not a trading card game, and all that stuff. And um, it was a lot of fun. Really, just a different style, you know, sort of battle game. Uh, if you've not heard of Netrunner, there's a bunch of videos. I've got a, a big old video on it as well. Um, uh, it's no longer around. So talking about that, but just before we get to that, so it was really, really hyped up. I mean, not hyped up, but it was really popular. It was really well received at this point. And it was doing really well. I mean, there was tournaments and all those things. Now, as time has gone on, you know, sales kind of dwindle off as they do with these kind of games. And then Fantasy Flight, of course, lost the license. I believe uh, Wizards of the Coast has the license back. They've not really done anything with it. Um, so maybe we'll see it come out in a different form as a, uh, God forbid, a collectible card game. Um, you know, we might see it come out, but there's still actually a thriving community. Even though this game is not really available for sale or anything, there's still a thriving community for Android Netrunner. People play it. I believe there's some fan cards and fan expansions that have come out that have been pretty well received from what I can understand. Uh, so this one is hung around. Uh, it's a little bit of a shame, you know, that it's gone away. But in a certain sense, like a certain card pool size, I think is is you know there's like a critical mass that you get to, and then you just go too big, and you got to start like you know doing set rotations and stuff. And you know I think that kind of stuff tends to kill these games, especially the competitive ones. When it's a co-op game like Lord of the Rings card game, it's not a big deal. You just play however you want. But with the competitive game, you got to be have somebody with a real mindful eye on that switch and trying to keep balance in the best possible shape. So anyway, this one's still around though. That's number 12. And number 11 is nothing personal. This is a, a game design by, um, oh, I'm hating myself for this. Tom Vassell and somebody else, and I've met this person a couple of times and I have not talked to him in years. Um, I don't remember this dude's name, I'm sorry. Somebody will know in the comments. Um, nothing personal. And this is a remake, kind of, of a game from like 1985, I think, called Kremlin. Uh, but it's set in kind of the mafia world. And a lot of the mafia card personalities in this game look like uh, a lot of people that like worked at the Dice Tower. There's like a, you know one card you get like, oh, that's Tom Vassell, that's Eric Summer, and so on. Uh, this is a fun game. It's also this is a very kind of a cutthroat game as well. Uh, you're playing cards, trying to, you know, get certain people kind of up the totem pole to the top to be the dawn of the particular crime family. You go out to backstabbing and taking people out because as you go from like the bottom row, there's soldiers and then capos and then the capo regime and capo de capo at the top, um, all that stuff. Uh, Really fun game. Like, it's a very Ameritrash style game where you just like, it's a lot of take that, but there's a lot of cool elements. It's not just, you know, brainless. Um, there was an expansion for this. I think there is, I might be speaking a little bit out of school. I think there's some sort of uh, dispute a little bit with the licensing and stuff because I think, um, you know, Tom had it through Game Salute and I think there was a falling out there. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but it feels like it was kind of doing really well. A lot of people actually received it very well because I think there was some skepticism. It's like, oh, you know, Tom Bassel from the Dice Tower, he's a reviewer, he's not a designer. You know, I think there was some skepticism out there. Although this isn't the only game Tom's been involved with design-wise. And so anyway, but the game did well from my perspective. I think it was in my top 10 of that year. And... Um, uh, Steve Avery, that's the guy's name. I just remembered the other designer name because he actually thought I didn't like the game because in my video, 
I had a friend of mine shoot the game with a shotgun. <laughs> because Tom does the component drop, you know, and he's throwing like games in the trash and throwing games off the roof. And I was like, hey, we got we got to shoot this. It's a mafia game. We got to shoot this. We got to we got to hit it. Hit that game. And so, you know, we shot it with a shotgun. <laughs> I gave the good review. I don't think he watched the rest of the reviews. He was like, I can't believe you shot the game. I'm like, dude, I like the game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tom got it. Tom understood. And, uh, yeah. So, anyway, the game did good. I, I don't know. It's I, I don't know where it's at, you know, licensing-wise. This seems like a game that was well-received and should still be around, but it's not, which sucks. So, that's number 11. No, nothing personal. Number 10, yet again, is the Dominion expansion. Proven wrong. I thought these would kind of dwindle off. These are This one is further down the list. This is for Dominion Guild. In the previous years, they were up in the top five. Uh, the Dominion expansions. Now we're here at number ten. So the wave's still cresting. It's curling. It's starting to. You can see the water's starting to drip off. Right. You can feel it. If you've ever been in a wave, you know what I'm talking about. Like you can feel the wave start to come at you, starting to touch you a little bit. But you know we're still we're still the wave's still cresting. It hasn't. It's not washing into show with the into shore with the soapy water yet. Uh, Dominion Guilds. Uh, I don't know that I played this one actually because I was definitely over Dominion by this time. Uh, played enough of it, you know, probably 100 games of it or so. But it's still going strong. And like I said in the previous videos, it's still going strong today. There's second edition boxes of all the base game and some of the expansions out on the stores now. And those are all pretty recent. So there's still definitely a market for Dominion. Uh, that's number 10. Uh, number nine, this is a tough one, is up front. So if you were around the board game hobby and the industry back then, there was a lot of excitement about this game and then a lot of disappointment. So somebody had finally brought back into print, uh, we're going to bring back into print uh, a new edition of Upfront. It was going to collect like all the expansions from the old one. Upfront is a military uh, card game from the 80s published by uh, Avalon Hill. I almost said GMT, it's not GMT. Avalon Hill, uh, you know, in the 80s. And a really cool game. I played this a few times. I had a copy of, there was this one sort of print and play that was floating around. Um, and it looked like redesigned all the cards and the graphics. Played that a few times and then just got rid of it because it just wasn't getting to the table. It's a really, really neat game. I th you're pretty sure you can go and get this from drive Through Cards or drive Through RPG, that kind of place. I think they've still got it available. So it's still around. Uh, this just fell into this whole, like, this is, it was a huge mess. I think people like ended up not getting their copies from the Kickstarter that was gonna run this up front. It was a nightmare. It was like a meme for two years in the board game industry about, well, what does this mean for Upfront? Anytime there was a news item about something completely up unrelated, some joker would say, well, what does this mean for my copy of Upfront? <laughs> nothing. It's got nothing to do with that. Um, yeah, so this is another one of those licensing hell things. A lot of these, this is crappy. Last couple of weeks here, this has been those things. Um, they're all Kickstarter related and they're all like related to one or two of these publishers. <laughs> um, but yeah, they just kind of went away. Anyway, that's number nine up front. A little sad there. Hopefully somebody should pick this up. Like why doesn't GMT pick this up? You know, and just make some nice cards with that and just print the whole thing. All the expansions, the Russians, the Japanese, Germans, Americans, you know, all that stuff. I would rather play Combat Commander though. If there's there's elements of Combat Commander that are from up front, I'm telling you. It's a better game too. Okay. So that's number nine. Okay. Number eight is Quarantine, which was a game about making a hospital. Uh, which we've seen a couple of those over the years, not too many. Uh, not a game I enjoyed, not a game I hear anybody talk about. Um, I think it was interesting because of the theme back then. 
And uh, that's probably about it because it was not really that fun of a game. You had to like manage the queue of patients coming in and kind of you know build up the hospital with these different tiles and things. Um, it just didn't did not you know didn't do well. I don't think. Uh, I think there were some people that liked it, but I mean that doesn't matter. I didn't like it. <laughs> I do not recommend it at all. I did not think it was a good game. Um, yeah, so it, it is a kind of a medium euro, you know. Nothing too, nothing too much to write home about. So that's number eight. We're going to skip seven. We're going to go to six. Here's another one. So somebody actually brought this up, I think, in my 2011 video. This is the Lost Legion expansion for Mage Knight, which I believe is the second expansion. So Mage Knight is another one, kind of like Netrunner, that kind of came out of the blue. Uh, Vital Lacerda. Um, not Vital Lacerda. Oh, my gosh. The guy from CGE who did Through the Ages. I should look these names up before I do this stuff. He's like the main guy at CGE. So anyway, he designed it, um, Mage Knight, and is a huge, I've got the game here, I can look at it. Look at his name, Vlada Shavadal, that is his name, because I've got the Ultimate Edition set right above, above me. Uh, still a game that I play. Uh, I prefer it solo, I think enough has been said about this game. It's a huge, massive, heavy beast of a game. Um, and I recommend folks get it, play it one or two players. I've played it at most with three. Three's way too many. I never will play it with four. I would play it two player. Um, but yeah, it's just a big, beefy card adventure, you know, game, kind of like um, uh, Magic Realm from the 80s. But just, you know, I never played Magic Realm, but way better probably and more refined and polished and all that fun stuff. I should, I, Magic Realm's probably great, but. Um, yeah, it's just one of these big epic adventure games. And the, so the expansion here, number six on this year. So people are still excited about this. They've had, like I said, Ultimate Edition. This came out just a couple of years ago. That's still in print. It's still, you know, somehow manages to stay in print because it's, like I said, it's a huge beefy game, but it's worth your time investment uh, to play, especially if you're a solo gamer. Uh, not This is not my favorite solo game. I did a solo, top 10 solo list a couple of times now. It's just too much for me to say it's my favorite. And it's one that when I do break it out, I've got to spend an hour like remembering the rules and reading through the rules again. But then once I do, it's very rewarding and I, I'm glad that I did it. So that's number six, the Lost Legion expansion for Mage Knight. Number five is Roll for the Galaxy. This is kind of the first spinoff of Race for the Galaxy. It's the dice version of Race for the Galaxy. So you kind of roll in dice building a little sort of hand of dice and then playing Race for the Galaxy kind of where you've got the different, you know, uh, explore and colonize and all these different things, not colonize, but <laughs> you know, all the different roles for Race for the Galaxy and produce and all that stuff. Uh, and so, but it's with the dice system and it's kind of like a dice building game. So you get new dice in your, in your cup and you roll those up and you kind of do them behind a screen and reveal them and everybody kind of takes those roles and you can get wild dice and all that stuff. It's a lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed this game. I don't have it in my collection anymore. The one game of this sort of series in my collection is New Frontiers. That's that's my favorite of all those games, even more than Puerto Rico. Um, but Roll's a good game, and there's been a couple expansions for it. It was, it was well done components, I thought. Uh, I think it was mostly well received. I felt like it was a little middling in terms of the reception, but uh, um, I think they've moved on from this. I don't know that there's going to be any more expansions, but I know I've seen it in shops, so I know it's still out there. They're still printing it. Uh, so I think it's been a, a decent hit, you know, for them. Not a, not a huge success, but I think it's been it's been well received overall throughout the years. So number five, 
Let's see. Number four is the Seven Wonders Wonder Pack. So obviously expansion for Seven Wonders. A um, bunch of new wonders. Mm, last week or last year, uh, the uh, the number one game was the Seven Wonders uh, uh, expansion. And um, so it's still really high up there. Seven Wonders has kind of gained some steam, I think, over the years. Uh, they've had a second edition. I've kind of repeated myself a little bit on this. But, uh, it's you know, it's a n- different expansion for Seven Wonders. That's, that's the number four on this list. So I'm not going to talk too much about that because I already have. Uh, number three is Star Wars X-Wings Miniature. And these are for, like, the Wave 2 ships. Now, if you go look at last week's or last year's video... I think it was like around number 10, Star Wars X-Wing Miniature. Now the expansions have shot up to number three. So I think there was, and I kind of commented on the video last week about like, I don't remember really hearing about this game until I was at Gen Con. So I think I must have just missed it or something because I don't remember hearing much about it at all. And then it came out and when I went to Gen Con and got the demo of it and played the game, I was like, whoa, this is going to be great. And obviously it's been huge. It's been lasting. So... Its popularity really shot up. You can see over that year that has come out. And I talked about it last week where, I mean, it's still around. There's been a second edition. Atomic Mass Games has it. You know, there's still tournaments. It's, it's just really lasted. So, anyway, number three, X-Wing Miniatures Expansions. Um, number two is Kingdom Death Monster. I don't think this actually came out <laughs> back then. This was a couple of years later. I don't remember when it actually finally hit. The Kickstarter was very popular. The game today is still really popular. Uh, the company, from what I remember, what I can tell, is just a one-game company. So they've done a couple of Kickstarters now for it. They still sell it regularly. It's a big, like, $400 box. I did a review of it. There's a bunch of reviews of it. It's a game I really enjoyed. Uh, not something I've kept in the collection. You know, uh, just there's other games that are kind of that. This one is not a dungeon crawl. I don't want to call it a dungeon crawl. But it's a campaign game, and there's tactical battle elements like you see in a dungeon crawl. Um, it's almost like a funky, dark as hell Civ game, you know, in a way. Um, it's like you're building a civilization in hell, almost, sort of. And uh, it's cool, like it's neat. I mean, but it's like it's a huge investment. You've got to really want to just be involved in it, and it's a lifestyle game all by itself, really. Um, there's tons of different expansions and figures and stuff, and you can definitely you know replay the campaigns and all that stuff. And there's a lot of cool narrative things, and just you know it's kind of dark and gross and stuff in a lot of ways. Not in a way that I think is bad or you know offensive or anything, um, you know. But it is what it is. If you, I mean, if you, if you don't want to be involved with that, I mean, I wouldn't judge you on the other side of that either because it's it's crazy. <laughs> um, so that's not for everybody, and. Um, yeah, but it's so it's lasted. I mean, this game's been around. And I still hear people talking about this today. The company's still around. They're still making it. So I think it took them a little while after this point, from what I remember, to kind of get it out. But it was a huge production. It took them a while, but they delivered it. And I think they've been delivering it for you know their fans ever since. So that's number two, Kingdom Death Monster. Uh, number one is, and I was kind of surprised when I saw this, Lords of Waterdeep, Scandals of Skullport. This is the expansion for Lords of Waterdeep. Um really cool expansion. I still have the game and the expansion on my shelf. Um, you did not see Lords of Waterdeep anywhere on the previous list because it kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. They kind of announced it and then it was for sale, I think like a month later. And people were sort of like, oh, what's this? A Dungeons and Dragons Euro game? A worker placement game? This is not going to be, eh. 
and I got it, and I, I kind of had the same attitude. I was like, yeah. I was like, well, you know, let's you know, let's try. It. And then I liked it, and I was like, this is really cool. Played it with family, played it with gamer group. Both sides of the aisle have enjoyed it. In that case, the expansion really makes the game, in my opinion. I think I don't think you really have to get the expansion right away if you've never played Lords of Waterdeep, but I would recommend it once you get a few plays in. It really adds some extra elements and layers and, and a little bit of depth there to the game that is, you know, made it stay in my collection. So I definitely recommend it. And I wouldn't say I've seen people, a lot of people talk about Lords of Waterdeep these days because this has been out a while, but I still see people playing it and, and still see it in shops, still see the expansion in shops. Um, you know, still around. Is this, this is definitely an evergreen for Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro, whoever. I don't know. It gets confusing in who actually the, the moniker of publishing is. I think it's going to be Wizards of the Coast. It's Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but yeah. And... Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's been around, and I think it's cool. That it's kind of neat to see this be the number one because I think there's some people that sort of just dis- dismissed it. Like I said, I had a little bit of an attitude going into it, but once I played, I was like, oh, it's really good. But then you know, there's other people like, ah, Euro Dungeons and Dragons, whatever, cash grab, like whatever. Everything's a cash grab. <laughs> it's a business, and I was like, okay, cool. So that attitude did not pervade itself and this is the number one most anticipated thing in 2013 for a good reason and it turned out to be a really good expansion so that's good makes me happy to see that okay that's the 2013 stuff so next week's 2014 if you're still watching this point i will probably tack on some some hindsight because as i've had this chance to kind of marinate with the stuff and sit with it i had some thoughts i might do kind of a separate little mini vlog video after next week we'll, we'll, we'll kind of figure it out I kind of want to take a halfway point, kind of look back over the years and see some of the trends and stuff, some of my predictions. Because like I said, I don't really look ahead. I'm not going to look at this next list until I get this one edited and put up, and then I'll look at the 2014 list uh, after that. Because I don't want to, I don't want to kind of taint my experience of going through the list. So there you go. Thanks.